everyone, welcome to the Beyond the Dance Floor podcast where we look at everything outside of the moves and the competitions and try to dive a little bit deeper. It's about history, mentality and connecting the dots between the dance and the other aspects of our lives. Today we talk with Arthur Choyanko, I hope I'm saying that right, aka B-Boy Art Attacks, representing Floor Storm crew out of Surrey, Canada. Arthur, for many years now, has been, in my opinion, one of the pillars of the Vancouver breaking and dance community as a whole, throwing countless events for the community and has been instrumental in keeping the scene alive. We talk about how he got into dance, his crew Floorstorm as well as the city of Surrey, the thankless job that is organizing and promoting breaking events, as well as some words about fellow crew member and one of the great Vancouver DJs, DJ Wondercut. Rest in peace. Thanks to Arthur for taking the time to share his perspectives and story. The job of event organizers often goes unnoticed and unrecognized, but they're a crucial part of the community. This episode was recorded back in August 2022, so some of the context is a bit out of date, but hope you enjoy the chat. Peace. All right, welcome everybody to the podcast. Today we've got Arthur, aka Art attack. I don't know if that's still what you go by. Yeah, for, for breaking, yeah, I go by it. <laughs> yeah. well, we got Arthur Tio. I don't actually know how to say your last name. Tio Yanko? Tio Janko? Tiohanko. Tiohanko. Oh, man. Tiohanko. So the T-I-O is pronounced Cho. Oh. Yeah. Great. And J-A-N is Han, and then T-O is Tiohanko. Tiohanko. That's yeah. how you say it. Yeah. <laughs> Arthur Tiohanko. Yeah. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the main people, like at least from my experiences in, in the Vancouver scene, he was one of the main, is still one of the main people that puts on events in Vancouver and all kinds of different kinds of events, not just like breaking battles and stuff like that. But yeah, so yeah, he's been a, in a pillar within the break, the Vancouver breaking scene, or just kind of like hip-hop community whatever you want to call it um so really glad to have you here and and share your your story and your perspectives and stuff mm-hmm. yeah. um so for people who don't know who you are do you mind just giving a little background on on you and how you got into breaking and hip-hop and stuff like that yeah yeah for sure um so my name is arthur chahanko uh my b-boy name i guess is art attacks um for djing i've been going by arthur storm um and i started breaking in 2003 um yeah high school grade 10 typical classes at harvard dance center um my first teacher was uh you remember cole i do leon yeah yeah and now he's like this big hollywood director doing yeah. like glam bots and like those all these celebrities <laughs> yeah yeah Crazy. my first breaking teacher and um from there i you know i met the guys who um uh i, I met these guys on a vancouver exchange forum um 
it was either Vancouver Exchange or like Xcube or one of those like Vancouver forum sites that you make websites on um, your own page, like MySpace and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I met these guys who lived in Surrey and we met up at uh, Guilford Rec. Um, No, sorry. We didn't meet at Guilford Rec. We we met at somebody's house. Um, He's like, Oh, you guys break dance. Like if you, if you dance, like rep your crew. And I was like, Oh, I don't have a crew. Uh, and then someone's like, oh, you know, oh, you, you're from Surrey, come come hang out with us. Like, we're a bunch of, bunch of guys from Johnson Heights. Mm-hmm. So I went to their house and I met these guys who I, like, I found out later that, like, my family knew who they were. Oh, really? so it was, like, weird layers of connection there. But uh, we ended up forming a crew called um, Funk It Up. Um, yeah, and we moved from our like one of their houses to the to the rec center because it was close by and a bunch of people showed up so it was like oh let's go over there because there's more space um and yeah like since then i've been rocking with a lot of those guys uh was this and we, was this the beginnings of the guilford rec like practice spot for us for you guys for us, yeah. Okay. yeah. Were, were there people there before you guys? Yeah, so oh, okay. I believe that before us, it was the guys who were Floorstorm and Surrey Savages. Right. Yeah, so... Um, yeah. For, for, people who, for people who don't know, like, Guilford Rec is one of... I don't know if it's still the spot to go to, but no, it's done. Yeah. It used to be, like, the spot for everyone to go to in, in Surrey, but not just Surrey. Like, sometimes people from from like the, the surrounding cities like Richmond or Burnaby or Vancouver or whatever uh, would come out. So it was like one of the big spots for for at least the time, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah, we, we go there. I think we knew, it. people knew that people practiced there because like uh, somebody's sister knew like the B-boys who were practicing there, right? I think it was Rich's sister kind of knew the guys who were like, in floor storm prior to uh prior to us and like like lionel yeah mikey um vernie just started dancing even though he was kind of in that generation of guys hmm. um i believe and harlo so like through practicing at guilford i met those guys and uh to some of to, to rich and other guys from justice heights they kind of knew of these guys already Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that that crew became Funk It Up, and then some of the guys who stick, stuck around, uh, we became part of Floorstorm like a, a year or two later. Um, yeah, yeah, it was nice. uh, yeah hanging out with them and chilling with them, practicing with them, and then getting put down in a crew. I think we battled with them once or twice prior to officially being put down. But mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, can you can you talk a little bit more about like Floorstorm and and that crew? Yeah, um, I mean from from my understanding and knowledge, it it started in like ninety five ninety six. Um, I believe Eric uh, DJ Wondercut, um, Stu, and a couple of their friends started the crew. Um, Stu was in it. Stu was in it. Yeah, Stu was one of the original members. 
Really? This is like uh ninety yeah, ninety five, ninety six. What do you what do you like choreography stew, right? No, <laughs> he's like one of the big I don't know if he still is, but one of the big uh choreography kind of like hip hop uh studio hip hop. I don't know what you want to call it. Video yeah. dance kind of video dance guys. like he, yeah. he's in the yeah, industry. Yeah, he's in, in that kind of industry, but even when you watch his choreo style, there's always a little bit of like breaking in and and b-boy style in it. Um, I mean, he does his, his solos. He always hits the ground, and um, you know, yeah. So he he was one of the original members of Forest oh. Gold, uh, and then there are a bunch of other guys who I I haven't met. Um, actually, uh, I did meet somebody else. Uh, during Wondercut's, um, uh, I guess, Celebration of Life, who was part of the original crew, hmm. uh, who I would have probably never have met unless that, that happened because a lot of these guys after high school just stopped dancing and, you know, worked, right. made, you know, had families and, you know, the, the typical yeah. ex-boy story, right? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> But you know, there, there's always a, an affinity for the uh, like an appreciation for the for the culture, and um, you know, every once in a while, we'll uh, somebody will come up to us and be like, "Oh, yo, you're um, you're repping Floorstorm now, and we have a handshake that has been passed down since '96." Um, like Eric, I think Eric was one of the first. Eric came up with it. Wondercut came up with it with his friend and. We all do this handshake. So, you know, if we run into somebody who used to be part of the crew, you just put your hand out like that and then do the handshake. And, you know, that, that lineage is like, <laughs> it continues. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool. really cool that way. Nice. Um, yeah. And yeah, I've been like stopped on the street by like uh, Eric Sammy, who at the time I didn't know. He's like, oh, I've, I've seen you guys' videos. Like, um, other members of the crew are putting me on, you know, what you guys were doing. Um, and he's like, they're proud that the crew name uh, continued on mm -hmm. for years after they stopped dancing. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, my generation of Floorstorm was myself, my brother, uh, Rich, Rich Rocca, uh Kevin, uh, Trixie, Harlow, Vern, EJ. Uh, Victor, Savage Rock, um, Dale, yeah, and yeah, that was our, we had like 10 people, we were, at one point we were rolling 10 deep to jams. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most crews at that time were like 10 to 12 people deep, which is super cool to see, you don't see what I mean. But also, a couple of the older guys, you know, would hang out with us, even though they're not actively dancing, they're still supporting us and, uh, you know, going to, going to party with us afterwards, uh, going to practice with us and kind of mentor a little bit. Um, yeah, for those like good, like 2000, I want to say 2006 to like 2012, um, that kind of time period. Mm -hmm. Then after that, a lot of people, a lot more people stopped dancing and people kind of went their separate ways, um, doing their own thing. But 
everybody who is down with the crew is always part of the crew. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Um, where, what's, what's kind of like the current status of the crew right at the moment? Uh, pretty inactive. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of us are still dancing. Not a lot of us. Sorry. Uh, my brother's still dancing and mm -hmm. uh, Bernie's still dancing. Mm -hmm. uh, our, we put down uh, AJ, Earl, and Ivan um, kind of mid-2000s. Mm -hmm. uh, AJ's still dancing. Yeah, Earl and Ivan aren't. Uh, mm -hmm. But AJ's still out there repping. He reps with Raw Minds too. Yeah, he's, he's kind of made like a... Not, I don't want to say a comeback, but he kind of like disappeared for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like kind of come back. Yeah. It's like full force sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool to see. Yeah. No, it's super exciting to see him like, uh, you know, and enter battles and uh, like VSDF, he, he gone to top four mm -hmm. this year. And I was like, yeah, that's one of my, my goals, you know, in the scene to be on that stage and rep in front of the whole uh the whole city mm -hmm. um, so yeah like his comeback was super dope bernie's mm -hmm. been uh super active and yeah you know, always always killing it and he's repping soul felons and hoods and and us so mm -hmm. um yeah it's it's there's a couple of us who are still in the scene still dancing still being still active uh in the community um, but it's not like it was before, obviously. Right. But I, I think that's like across the board, though, not just your crew or anything like that. Yeah. It, right. I've noticed it's kind of come up a, a couple times, but like, especially when I talk to some people from like other Canadian scenes, mm -hmm. especially people from Toronto, people from Montreal, there's like a really big sense of like continuity with their scenes. But Vancouver, it kind of like comes in these waves almost. Yeah. And not to say that, like, there isn't a lineage or anything like that, but, like, the activity is, like, yeah, it kind of comes mm -hmm. in these, like, big waves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel like there, there, are, like, there are some constants in the scene that have been around since, you know, since the 90s. Like, Derek and NON and some of those guys, they've been consistently in the scene. And consistently the people to beat in the scene. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. yeah, Jamie, um, Jax, Victor, like they've always mm -hmm. been always been there and also like really I gotta give it up to them for continuing to teach kids. Like yeah. some some of the kids that they're they're teaching like can beat most of mostly adults, you know, in yeah. uh, on, on a good day. Mm -hmm. um, and they continue to teach more and more. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's really good to see, and like, I got, I really gotta give it up to those guys for continuing that because um, mm -hmm. it's, it's tough to do, right? Vancouver is not a cheap city to uh, live in, um, so you you really gotta make sacrifices and choices um, in what you want to do and how you want to do it, right? And if that aligns with kind of like how you want to live, mm -hmm. great. But yeah, I, I recognize it's it's a hustle. Um, yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. Speaking of 
that and and making sacrifices and and hustling and stuff like that uh you know let's get into like producing events and and that, and organizing events and stuff like that because that's yeah. like in the community that's one of the most thankless jobs uh mm-hmm. that you can do right? yeah yeah um can you yeah can you just talk about maybe some of your your early events and and how you kind of got into that that side of breaking or or the community yeah um my first event was uh what would i call it breaking point okay yeah that was done at don bosco youth center um with racing so Racing was a studio that I taught for and also at the time was like traveling and competing like choreo with. Um, like I was doing like the littlest bit of choreo. Like I'd be the b-boy that shows up at the end to do a quick quick move and then like then I'm out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I learned a couple of like eight counts, but you know, it was like with them it was cool because at that point, they were starting to travel. We'd be going down to Seattle, going down to Florida, going down to California to compete in these big choreo competitions. Mm-hmm. We just don't. Um, but at that time in particular, we were trying to fundraise for um, for one of our trips, I think, to California. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the idea because I think Carlo just threw one of his jams. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this seems doable. We could, like... I have enough people here that we can make this work and we can uh, do an event to raise money and also to, you know, have a battle. Like, we've been to a couple battles at this point. Um, I think I've been, at that point, I'm breaking for like four, four to five years. Mm-hmm. So, you know, gone to a couple of events and seen how they, they run and whatnot. So that was the first battle I ever threw did a two-on-two with a city versus city. Um, oh, like, yeah. Yeah, Surrey versus, like, Burnaby versus Vancouver versus Richmond. Um, I think Surrey won. Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we had a... We had a <clears throat> um, yeah. Wondercut DJed that battle, and I think... I forgot who I had judging. Ju- it might have been like Rory and uh, Mango and somebody else. Maybe Stu. Right. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was, that was the first one. And then uh, since then, or at, shortly after that, um, one of the other dancers from Grace team, she was in a program at BCIT, and uh, they asked, one of her projects was to hold an event, like put something on, you know, create a budget, like do the full thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she asked me if I wanted to do a battle with her since she saw how successful the, the fundraiser we did was. Although we didn't really, I think we made like 200 bucks. Um, it's not <laughs> bad. Yeah, decent. Yeah. Um, but she saw like how we got people together and you know, it's like, oh, this is an event we could do. There's like, there's a formula to it, so we can make this happen, and it could be part of her project. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up doing a solitaire battle uh, at that jam. Mm-hmm. What is a solitaire battle for people who don't know? 
Yeah, so I really got to give it up to Dale because he explained it to me. He saw it on a DVD where he's like, oh, there's two crews and the losing crew gets knocked out. The winning crew gets divided up randomly into two, two more crews. So say so you have an invited 16. You, the way that I ran it was I had the names in the hat and I just randomly divided the crew. So it's like Dean's on that side, Arthur's on that side, Ed's on that side. So it's completely random. Um, yeah, losing crew, crew, they're gone. Winning crew gets put back on the hat and divided up again. So if you're going from uh, eight versus eight to four on four. And you go on till it's one on one. So like in solitaire, you're trying to reduce the amount of cards you have on the table down to like the last seven. Yeah, and you finish it, finish it off with the one on one. So that was the first time I threw a solitaire battle. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if, if what Dale described to me uh, was actually what happened at in the DVD that he saw, but right. I took that idea and I was like, "Cool, this is dope. Nobody does this. Mm-hmm. Nobody does this here." Yeah. Um, so I did that with the two on two at I think it was at BCIT. It was in like their cafe area. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember I had massive monkeys there uh, judging. Um, I remember it was because like there was like concrete and some like steel slabs like on the floor. We had to put like uh, cardboard over the like under the linoleum just to make sure that like people aren't ripping their heads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but that was our first uh, event as Funk and Soul Entertainment. Um, and then from there, we just kept doing more. I think that was also it was my it was my birthday too. So <laughs> it was like my birthday, throwing a jam, and it's yeah the first time this Funk and Soul thing is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then uh, continue that the following year. I think for the next two or two years after that. Um, but yeah, we ended up doing different events, different kind of battles. I think for me, one of the things that kind of drove me to continue to do it was that there were other people doing it. So like Rory was throwing jams at the time. Mike was throwing jams. Yeah. Uh, Jarek, Kim, uh, Ramir. Like, oh damn, Ramir! Yeah, yeah. So there was a lot going on in the city already, and I felt like I'm not. I, I, I'm I'm just adding to it. Like, right? You, you know, want to get in on the action too? Exactly, exactly. And you know, it was fun. Um, but then it got to a point where fewer jams were happening, and I wanted to enter. I wanted to battle too, so that's why I threw just for kicks. Mm-hmm. Um, which was a round robin battle, um, I, I, like the first time, like it went super long because I had eight crews, and to have eight crews battle each other at some point yeah. ends up being a very, very long day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But that um, that jam was one of like I have some really good memories of of that event. You did it like a few times, I think, right? Yeah, I did it maybe two or three times. Yeah. Uh, yeah, fully because. Uh, but the, the way yeah. I saw the way I saw it is like, you know, for people who are, who are like the top of the scene, you know they're going to be battling to the end, but 
the newer kids or the people in the mid mid generation, they get knocked down prelims. They don't they don't get through prelims. They don't get through um, top sixteen or top eight, whatever it is. So making it a round robin battle, kind of inspired by the IBE um, country all battles all, all battles all. That gives everybody an opportunity to get a couple of rounds in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you train so hard, and you go to the battle, and you get knocked out in in one round. Yeah, kind of sucks, and it kind of discourages people. So at least if you're able to battle everybody, you get a chance to, you know, show your full arsenal, and you know, do stuff that you wouldn't be able to do in a regular battle. Yeah, just get more experience, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I I liked it too, as like even just the idea of it being like it it's a sort of a competition but it's not very serious and mm-hmm. like cuz there's no real like winner in the end right no it's literally just you do a round robin and it's all just for kicks right it's just for fun kicks. yeah so like even if you know there's some battle that you don't want to watch or something like that you're the spectator like a dancer Mm-hmm. and you're just waiting for your time to go like you know it just always had this kind of feel of like it's more of a you know like a jam than a competition like you yeah. have you had that aspect of it the competitive aspect but it really felt like oh you were just kind of chilling and hanging out mm-hmm. and like yeah sometimes the battles were super hype and stuff like that but yeah you can kind of just do whatever you want there's no real like exactly. There's there's no nothing nothing on the line other than maybe your reputation, yeah. other than your rep, right? Yeah. And you know, with Vancouver, everybody knows everybody, so it doesn't matter. Like this one battle, this one thing doesn't make a big difference, right? Yeah. Nobody's going for prize money or yeah anything but- like. But it was kind of cool. I think it was the first one. I can't remember what you did for the other ones. But like the first one, you had like I think you were working at the Adidas store yeah. at the time, yeah. and you had like custom, yeah, custom like shell toes made for each crew or whatever. I I, I have some ones. I have them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, there they are. Yeah. So um, I had a friend that. Jeez. Yeah, that did a lot of work on shoes. Like, dude, you know, I was from uh, England, and he would do custom shoes all the time. Mm-hmm. So I asked him if he could do like basic ones like this. I think the first ones were a little bit more like, like the style was a little bit crazy, mm-hmm. but the second set was a little bit more tame. But yeah, like really, just just for kicks. Yeah. Like, yeah. You yeah, gotta... the, the crew gets a shoe with their name on it. Yeah. yeah, and like, you know, having prize money is always nice, but mm-hmm. sometimes, like, especially for these like community-oriented events, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. if it's like there's no prize, but having something like that, that's like a, you know, money. You get money, and then it just goes into your like bank account. Yeah, and then it's kind of just gone. And you probably spent it on something, maybe even that night. Yeah. <laughs> but this is like something that, that's why I was kind of think like, 
trophies are a nice thing whatever style you do something like that or like you know massive monkey day footwork is the rings. there's no prize you get a ring right and like those things become sort of like they can become a prestigious thing like even vsdf vancouver street dance festival yeah, like, yeah i saw this year you guys made belts that is so cool like i'm so sad that i wasn't there for that <laughs> yeah but like you know it's the it's totally like wrestling you know yeah obviously yeah. wrestling like they get they get paid money mm -hmm. for doing what they do which is you know hopefully in the future for for breaking more and yeah. more you know it's there but yeah more and more yeah, yeah. but sometimes it's about the prestige of the belt mm -hmm. and the money is secondary or even non-existent or whatever but it's like damn i worked so hard for this thing and i got this belt or I got this ring, or I got this shoe, or I got this trophy, whatever it is. Yeah. It's like, it's the, the title is more important. And that's, that's like creates a bigger memory in a lot of ways. Yeah, no, for sure. It does. I actually have a set of shoes. Like I bought a set of shoes, like six, six sets, just so I could do just for kicks again. They're still sitting in my closet, like waiting to be done up. I'm just waiting for the resurgence of like true crews. It's kind of coming. I, I feel like. Yeah. There's there's some. There's a couple. There's a couple more. Like the younger generation is is coming up again. About that new wave. Yeah. 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 No, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 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 Can you can you talk a little bit about this is something that I was kind of interested in and, and kind of hoping to shine more light on is the idea just kind of like what are some of the struggles as a an organizer or producer or whatever that mm -hmm. you come across or yeah. that you have come across? There's a bunch. <laughs> There's a bunch. And especially like when I first started actually I was talking to somebody about this the other day uh, when I first started up until like pretty recently all my events were for the most part out of pocket um I'd kind of budget out be like how much can I pay this judge how much can I pay this judge how much can I pay this DJ I know I can't pay them their full amount but they're they're down they're down to do it for 70 bucks 75 bucks you know um and then the venue, the venue is actually the thing that hits you the hardest. Uh, it's the thing that costs the most. Um, but I've been lucky uh, in, in past to know people who work, work certain places that can hook up the venue or, you know, the venues for free because it's, it's in conjunction with another event. Uh, but really locking down those key pieces because um, if you don't have a relationship with people who have access to those things, it, it, it adds up pretty quickly. Like mm -hmm. a venue might charge five, sorry, like 150 an hour, and then your jam's at least five hours. So it's three hours, but you still need some time to set up, clean up, and then if you go over, you're paying extra. Yeah. Um, which kind of sucks. Um, but it happens and you know you kind of deal with it um 
obviously monetarily that's that's one big struggle um in the past i've gotten uh sponsorships you know from places that i know um i never really want to do cold call outreach um just because when you do that people really don't know or care it's not like why why even try with with some places mm. um but if i know my friend owns a business and they're down with the culture and they're down with breaking and hip hop they're like yeah we can throw in some t-shirts we can throw in some some money and and make it work that yeah. way yeah um so that alleviates a little bit of the financial uh, burden um and since i was i was really unaware of grants and mm. like government funding streams so i didn't like i never applied for them until i started doing stuff with vsdf right. and even then like funk and soul was an incorporated not for profit which kind of have to have a business or organization you can't be applying for these like community grants as an individual right um so make that makes it a little bit more difficult because once my friend who started from console with me kind of like dropped off and kind of did her own thing i don't think we were ever really registered um after that point so i didn't want to like give them a business number that would have been like oh this business number is uh invalid and right no we're not giving you any money and we're telling no way to give we're telling everybody not to give you any money so that was kind of like my fear around that so mm-hmm. i kind of just went by you know sponsorships here and there and seeing how much the door would cost per person and if i get 100 people in the door i can break even if not you know i'm 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 living at home i'm working i can cover costs here and there right which sucks cuz I think I did the calculation and I think I was like 5k in the hole from all the events over the years. Oh man. It sucks, but at the same time it's actually not that bad considering how many years I've been doing it. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, so obviously the financial piece is a huge piece of throwing events. Yeah. And then when there's the other pieces of like getting the right judges to come through and you know not always trying to pull from the same people all the time uh, just because you know the community in Vancouver is quite small like it's big but at the same time it's small yeah and the people who who you may deem uh good to judge they might not be available and you know um or they want to battle yeah like this this happened like the other month where i i asked mark tayo and jamie to judge a battle and they're like oh no we want to we want to enter <laughs> and they wanted to enter together which would have been a crazy squad <laughs> but then all of them failed because the rest of the rest of the guys that they wanted to enter with couldn't do it right and then tayo and jamie still showed up no. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it happens, right? It happens. It happens and yeah. it's like I, it's like no fault of anybody's. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, I I know that like some some dancers are very particular with who's judging and you know. 
how how they're being judged and so I never had the capital to bring in like an out of towner. Um, right. Yeah. Or put in enough time or effort to, to look into funding streams to get people in. But mm -hmm. um, I guess that's where kind of like the SCF comes in to kind of fulfill those things, to bring in these out of towners to, because with that, we're a lot more organized than myself individually. Right. Right. Um, that's that's a good point too that mm. uh when you start working with a team it's way easier to to do these things right yeah versus when it's maybe you still had people helping you out but a lot of it kind of fell on you right yeah 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 it it, it did and, it, and then on the other side of that token is that like sometimes i like to work alone like yeah, it's true. weird to make decisions like I can make decisions a lot faster and make sure that uh, my vision for it goes through and I'm not trying to work around other people's visions and thoughts and um, whatnot. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, a, that's a really delicate balance of like including other uh, like voices within the like creation process or, or whatever planning process, how it's supposed to go and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Yeah, sometimes you can get that that kind of like too many cooks in the kitchen kind of thing and it bogs down the process and like you said sometimes when you're it's just you it's very easy to just make the decisions very clear because there's there's one person making yeah. the choices. Right? Bit, uh, yeah. Oh, there's one letting... person in control, yeah. 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 Like I mean with VSCF this year mm -hmm. um a couple of people were super stoked on undoing the belts and I'm just like I don't think we need to do belts. Um, you didn't like that? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, you know what? I no, it's I fine. It's totally fine. It's totally fine. You know what I mean? It, but it's like, oh, we could use that money elsewhere. We can pay certain judges a little bit more. We can do right. this, that, and third. Mm -hmm. um, but at the same time, like after seeing it, and um, like everybody loved the belts. Yeah. I'm like okay, no, you, okay, this is cool, and it's good to be able to listen to other people because, you know, I have my way of doing things. I have my way of understanding, uh, events, prizes, whatever. And honestly, like, I, I think also for me, like, if you, you know, recall any of my jams, none of them really had big prizes or any, any like big trophies. I think, um, the most time and effort I put into trophies was, um, what's it called? Youthful expression where I did that all style battle and I had the like little wooden medallions. Oh yeah. I think I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that was like the only time I really focused on having a cool prize aside from like cash, mm -hmm. um, yeah. or like shoes. Right. Shoes, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, having other people to talk to and give give uh, give input on you know what they think would be dope is like really helpful when like my mind's not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's always the benefit of including more people. Is mm -hmm. you know not everybody thinks the same and people have different experiences and, and see things from a different perspective. 
or they're just sometimes it's like you can be really too focused on something you don't even realize it and then having that outside voice of like hey what about this and it's something that you're like hey that's a good idea i never would have thought about that kind of thing yeah Yeah. or in my case i was like oh i'm not down with the idea but you're doing it anyway and then now i'm just like okay yeah 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 you guys make the right call and do it in hindsight yeah 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 totally and that's that's the thing it's like you might not like something but it might be the right choice right yeah so it's always good to have have these uh alternate voices and things within the process yeah as much as you can where it doesn't get too out of hand exactly exactly and kind of like what even when i started throwing battles my uh my mentality was like i want to throw a jam that i would want to go to right if it's something that i haven't seen before i like that's what I want to see at my battle when I throw it. Right? I want to see these different um, battle formats. I want to see, you know, these different things and this kind of vibe, this kind of environment, and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, like, you know, there was a there was a time in like in like early like two thousand somethings uh, where like all the jams were basically we stopped holding them in gyms. Like we stopped holding gym jams. Yeah. Everybody wanted to do like a different venue, like a really, like something cool, something different. You know, I I felt that that was like a really cool way to differentiate yourself from everybody else, mm-hmm. and also bring something you know more of like your personality as an event organizer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the venue really speaks to that, right? that's that's part of it too like as a producer of breaking events you it's like it's the same as the dance right you want some way for your event to stand out and i think that's one thing that you did really well like with all the the different varieties of events that you did Mm -hmm. and uh i think like when they were doing it rory and robin also they had a lot of different like concepts and stuff so like you had you had just for kicks you had yeah. the solitaire i forget what the actual name of that event was called uh player cards are right and then yeah. you had uh crew in the front crew in the front that was just like a two-on-two right no crew in the front was like crew battle i did at ubc one of the first time i did at ubc like in one of like the glass buildings oh okay what is yeah what is the one that i'm thinking of I think you it's the one that you always did paired with like the the car show. Oh, that that was uh uh shut them down. Shut them down. down. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so you had like all these different formats, you had uh, different kinds of events or or like exhibition sort of things happening. Um and I think that's really good to to do and to try out and for any like budding promoters uh, organizers whatever yeah try stuff out as much as you can yeah like it's so easy to stick with like the formula of a one-on-one or a two-on-two but you know what really what 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 makes it different from the next person's battle Mm -hmm. 
if, if you can't have a big prize, how do you make a difference? If you can't have like cool, like, you know, international judges come in, how do you make a difference? Mm-hmm. How do you make it different for the scene? So it's yeah. not like it's being said all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think like, like you said, it's, there's a big like, financial burden with doing these kinds of events, but that's part of the, part of the fun of doing any of anything really is like, there's always restrictions on anything. How do you, how do you find something interesting and uh, like a creative solution to these problems that you have, you know? Yeah. Like you really have to be creative with with these things. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, when you think of event promoting, event throwing, whatever, um, you don't think of it as a creative process or a creative endeavor, Mm. but in reality it is because there's so many different barriers that come up um you know whether it's financial or space or you know so there's a bunch of different things that can come up and you just gotta have creative solutions to make sure it works mm-hmm. yeah yeah so yeah um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hope that, like, the more people who end up throwing battles make them different from everybody else's. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are asking, they're asking me if, like, if I'm training somebody to throw battles, I'm like, no, I could maybe help somebody out, but I would want people to kind of bring their own to to the to the events to to throwing the jams right um, you know seeing how they interpret what makes a battle right and and how do you break away from like kind of the mold of what's already out there mm-hmm. yeah. true um yeah, we talked a little bit about some of the struggles but can you kind of talk about the other end of it what are what are some of the Positives, if any, <laughs> that, there's, that there's you got so out of these. Positives. So many positives, but yeah, like you know, the the stress of the events, like leading up to it, making sure you have enough money, making sure people are coming. Um, yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention that in the struggle, like not knowing if people are going to show up to your battle, not knowing if you're going to like sign up to battle, or are you going to break even? Are you going to have enough people to like? make this thing pop off mm-hmm. that's that's a big struggle but you know right now with post-covid which isn't really post-covid we're still in the middle of shit um people are i think they're excited to go to anything right here so i think that's kind of like not a big worry as much as it was in 2018 2019 because numbers are really low back then. yeah um, yeah but in terms of the positives, like you're able to throw an event that is one that you're having fun at, and you know things can go wrong. Like I, I, I think of uh, Mike's Mike's battles where there's like multiple like power outages, right? But like some of the best things came out of those like those yeah unfortunate circumstances right yeah like uh the 
I think it was like Thesis and JBugs, the yeah. blackout battle. Blackout battle. <laughs> I think there's footage, but the footage doesn't do it justice. Like if you... No, you had to be there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for sure. There's a lot of good yeah. memories that get made at these events. Yeah. People and... that people that come up, like, you know, cats from Seattle would always come up and mm -hmm. win our battles. That's um, true. That was happening but... for a while. It's happening again. Guppy from oh, now, that's right. Yeah. He just won VSDF, so he's like, okay, it's this Seattle scene's coming back to to win the Canadian battles, the Vancouver battles again, right. which is which is cool because that gives us opportunity to build with those people. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, at a at a time for my my generation, we were getting close to the guys from uh, Moon Patrol uh, from Portland and right. um, AOM and like. Mm -hmm and all those guys so having opportunity to meet new people who may not break like you but they still they have the same motivation same drive as you yeah. you know and appreciate the, the sharing right yeah um so there's the connections that are made during these events um just the overall good times if you have a good dj playing good music like really like i i think if anything else as long as you have a good dj playing good music mm -hmm. the jam will pop off yeah regardless yeah you know? having a good dj that knows how to play for for all kinds of dancers whether it's a breaking battle or hip-hop battle all style whacking whatever if you have somebody who knows their their music yeah and can play anything more than the the breaks mm -hmm. then you're gonna have a good time yeah true yeah yeah and, and even if the the event is competition driven the music that 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 these djs play makes a big difference in the overall vibe of the event yeah it doesn't feel like you're just sitting around waiting for your turn yeah you're vibing you might not be ciphering but you're still vibing you're still enjoying the music you're still enjoying the thing so Mm -hmm. I think to me, the most important part of any jam battle is the, is the DJ. Like the judges could be anybody. The judges could be the crowd, for all I care. Um, but if the DJ's on point and knows how to play for the crowd that's there, that's you know, those make the base the best memories. Yeah, I totally agree. Like I think that's one thing that Vancouver does really well from my experiences with just other jams yeah um a lot of times vancouver events really just feel more like a like a party mm -hmm. and like some of my best memories i mean i yeah i'm a little biased i did grow up in vancouver so most of the events that i've experienced are from vancouver but mm -hmm. uh even some of these like big huge events that i've been to they didn't have the same feel sometimes as some of these more local events that I've been to in Vancouver, where it's like the whole crowd is moving. And like, you know, I always got to give credit to like people who are in the soldiers dance company at the time, like when it was really big and a lot of people were there, they were just good at like, they were almost like, like, uh, you could like plant them throughout the crowd and they'll just like start getting people dancing. Yeah. 
yeah they were party starters pretty much because they knew how to just do like social dances and stuff like that and and they're so easy that even if you don't know how to do it like people can just look and they see other people having fun and it's very friendly and they're like oh let me try that and no one's like oh you don't know how to do this dance like properly you stop doing that no everyone's like welcoming and but it's also the dj too and setting the mood too and but reading the room like so some of these events that vancouver has had are like you said it's really important that dj and uh yeah i, I guess that brings us to the the last thing that maybe we'll talk about today mm. is uh wondercut mm. yeah can you can you talk a little bit about about him and there there he is <laughs> yeah well this have a sticker that table tears made but uh yeah uh wondercut eric cardeno um to to me he uh he's like he's he's a big brother he's a big brother to me and my crew um and he really he's a dj he was a dj um incredible scratch dj he's uh repped in the dmc's i think 2006 and that that was really when you know we're like this guy is repping Surrey. He's repping uh, our crew in this international, world-renowned battle, uh, DJ battle. Um, and you know, he made us proud to be from Surrey. Because hmm. um, prior to that, you know, rep of Surrey is you know, that. That's where you get. That's where you get jumped. <laughs> um, so you get your car stolen. That was no, what no. I grew up learning. No one yeah. else, sorry. You get, yeah. you get and, stuff and stolen like, and jacked. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know, <laughs> half the time you're not wrong. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it builds up these, these, these casts that, uh, that have passion for what they do. Mm -hmm. so, um, not saying, not taking away from the other cities, but, you know, Surrey in particular had that kind of grit. Uh, mm -hmm. When in comparison to Vancouver, like I think cities all around the world, like big cities, always have this like smaller suburb or like area that they're like, oh, watch out for those guys because they're they're gonna jump. Um, but but Eric, um, him repping the DMCs and just like his overall presence, like he's like, oh yeah, you know, we rep Surrey, I rep Surrey. It made us proud to be from the city, right? Um, and yeah, unfortunately, last year uh, he went missing, and uh, yeah, he he was found uh, found deceased um, in the Fraser River. Mm -hmm. But you know, aside aside from that, like he left such an amazing legacy of. Uh, of using hip hop to express yourself mm -hmm. and to uplift others. Um, you know, in the, the past couple of years, he was working with table tutors, um, teaching people how to DJ. He mm -hmm. all the scratch. He was always super open to sharing uh, his knowledge and also learning from other people. He never, like, the dude never had an ego on him. Uh, he always, ensured that 
um, you know, people were good. Um, one of the funniest guys I've, you know, ever had the the privilege to be around. Um, and, you know, he, uh, he started our crew. Um, and he, I feel like he really inspired a lot of us to, like, pursue what we wanted to do in life. Uh, just because how we saw him pursuing DJing uh, and battling and scratching. Um, and yeah, he, uh, we uh, created a, his wife and then some of the guys from Table Tutors created a society um, to honor him. Mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of funny because he was such a low-key dude that mm -hmm. he, he would actually hate us like bumping him so much he's he'd be, he, he's he's such a humble dude he's like mm -hmm. no man like no like don't talk about me you talk about like mission like the hip-hop shit which is kind of what we're we're doing with this like we're not doing it just to like be like oh this is our friend but this is what our friend represented yeah uh, this is what he used hip-hop to do to uh you know inspire others to to use it to express themselves um he taught young kids and you know i i work in the school system and uh before like a couple years before he passed he was doing some sessions at the schools and um and then you know once we started going back and in, back into in-person uh programming um I'd be wearing my, my Wondercat mask. There's like a little W on one of the masks that I have. And a kid would ask me about him. And like, I'd describe, describe him. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was at our school. Like, I remember him when I was in like grade three, grade two. Wow. So like, he already had like, he, he always had this energy of him. And he was a guy that like not many people could forget. Like, mm -hmm. he, uh, he played a lot of my early battles. Um, and always always killed it yeah yeah um yeah he he made it so fun um while at the same time like uh he's even being humble with it he's like oh was that shit good like did, did i play the right the right stuff every time he's like yeah yeah he, he kills it. yeah he was uh -huh. great yeah yeah um but yeah, like he, Wintercut really, um, you know, was, I want to say inspired our generation, who's, I, I hope, is inspiring the next generation of people and DJs and dancers and stuff. And like, yeah, it's, it's, it's always, it's always crazy to lose a friend. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to lose um, a family member and a crewmate. So, um, you know, he's somebody who left a legacy on us as Floorstorm, um, but also on the overall DJ community in Vancouver and like across Canada and, and even like other cats who he connected with through like scratching and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, he, uh, you know, he's missed, <laughs> uh, we're coming up on his one year anniversary uh, of his death um, and table tutors is throwing on a um, 
Winter Cut Day on uh, August 20th. Nice. So check that out if uh, you're in Vancouver. Yeah. yeah. Nice. Uh, yeah. You know, that stuff's always always tough to deal with. But uh, one of the things that I think, you know, really helps is, you know, we always try and find ways of making things permanent, even though they're not permanent. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the ways that I think a lot of us do this is, is uh, through, you know, you've met, you met this person or, or whatever. And in a lot of ways, like because you met them, especially if, if they were a close person, they definitely had an influence on how you are as a person. And in a lot of ways, like your, the way you are or whoever met them, the way they are, some of that person lives on through you and through yeah. the people that they've, they interacted with who, through who they, uh, they influenced or inspired or, or sometimes it's, it's even something like you didn't even notice, but actually, oh yeah, this person had a big influence on, on yeah. how, how I view things or how I conduct my business or how I approach this, whatever. Uh, there's a saying like in, in talking about grief and stuff, it's like, you know, when you grieve and like, when you try to get through it, like you're not getting over something, you're not getting over somebody, mm -hmm. you're, you're going with them, like they're, they're with you mm -hmm. um, the entire time. Like, there's always, like you said, influences and like, mannerisms and ideal like ideas ideologies that they they had that you take on it might be a small thing it might be a big thing but not something yeah. you move with mm -hmm. yeah yeah this is getting into like you could get really deep into philosophy <laughs> and what's the nature what makes a person right is yeah. it the body or is it the the mind yeah. and the thoughts and the ideas that they had that kind of thing well, if you yeah. keep those thoughts with you, if you keep those memories, mm -hmm. is that person really like quote unquote gone, right? Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. But that's like, you could just keep going with that. Yeah. But it's an interesting thing to think about. I think. It, is. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think we'll cut it there. But thank you so much, Arthur, for taking the time to just share your share your experiences and your history and, and especially that little last little bit about Wondercut, you know, He's, uh, he's greatly missed mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, it's good to see that people are still carrying, carrying on, uh, his legacy or just trying to, to live a life that, uh, that they, I don't know how to put it, you know, yeah. they want to keep carrying on his energy, his, his vibe, his whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really good to hear. Yeah. Thank you for having me having me on here and my you uh i think we talked about this maybe two years ago getting me along so, yeah. <laughs> the beginning yes. of the pandemic and yeah and then uh yeah so i'm, I'm glad we finally made it happen so. yeah yeah i think i think uh, you know you're you're a big part of at least the vancouver history that i know and uh you know if if you hadn't done a lot of the jams that you had done and you know still still do or the the influence that you have in these events um 
I don't think the Vancouver scene would be the same. So, you know, I just want to put that out there too, that, that you, you deserve some credit in, in this thing we call Vancouver's breaking history, hip hop, community history, whatever. So I appreciate it that you can. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Sometimes, like you said, it's a thankless job. I yeah. feel like I'm getting a lot of recognition now, but back then it was just like, do the thing, move on to the next one. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's, I really appreciate um, that my efforts have been recognized. And even though, like, they weren't, that recognition wasn't something that I was ever really looking for. Right. I just wanted to do fun shit. Yeah. And, but it's nice, right? Yeah. It, it is. It is. <laughs> knowing that people recognize it and it's had an influence on the scene overall. Um, in Vancouver, at least overall, mm -hmm. uh, makes you feel like I've done something. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hopefully, in the future, we can do this again sometime and, and yeah. just talk about some other stuff that comes up. <clears throat> um, but thank you, thank you, Arthur, and thank you, everyone who's listening and and watching. Uh, it's always appreciated. Thank you so much for the support and continued viewership listenership i don't know what to call that but uh yeah thank you so much for doing that and we'll see you all in the next one peace thanks everybody for listening and i really hope you enjoyed the talk if you like what you heard please feel free to check out some of the older episodes and help spread the word about the podcast if you really want to go that extra mile please consider supporting on patreon at www.patreon.com slash razzyf2 r-a-z-z-y-f-2 even as little as a dollar goes a long way and it means a lot to have your support thanks for listening and we'll catch you on the next one peace